This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Welcome to church this morning. We're so glad you're here. So glad. If you've never been to church before, uh, some of you are thinking, man, I don't know what's going on. Is this church? Some people are used to different styles of church, maybe stained glass windows, maybe used to being quieter. And heard a person say to me once, I'm not used to talking in church and feedback and saying amen. And he's like, just tell me what to say. Write it down and I'll say it every Sunday. Just tell me. I just want you to know, be comfortable today. We're glad you're here. And we built this for you. We built the church for people far from God and people we don't know yet. And we're honestly convinced that our best friends are people we haven't met yet driving through our city at coffee shops and schools and businesses. And we can't wait to build a place for them to show up and encounter a living God in an amazing church. Amen. So if you showed up today, we're really glad you're here. We're really glad. As I said earlier, we're really excited today. After the service, there's next steps. And if you're thinking, man, I've never been a part of next steps. This is 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and we can help connect you. If you're thinking, I haven't been to one, you can show up at any time. Step four, step three, doesn't matter. Just jump in. And as you get four steps done, then we can help you connect into the church and serve. And we have an amazing team. We have about 80 adults right now helping every Sunday morning. But we, want, we believe that faith is better together in community. Come on, someone say amen. And uh, something about doing life together. But if you're like, hey, I want to jump in on this, you can jump in today. Just look for the what's next wall, the blue wall where you came in today. And we'll just plug you in and we'll make it as easy as possible. All you got to do is just show up to that wall. And we have about 20 to 30 graduating today, which means next week they're going to be helping us in all different things. And we are excited to welcome more people into our family because this is a place where you belong. Amen? Amen. And uh, really, really excited. Last week, we started a legend series. You might see the slide behind me. That's actually one of our team. Evan Coates is a photographer, and him and his father went to Iceland on a father-son trip. That's pretty cool. And uh, that's him. He's a legend. But we started next week a legend series. Here's what we believe tonight, uh, today. We believe that your life, legends are always those that excelled in their field. There are legends in sport. There are legends in business. There are legends in politics. There are legends in every field of life. But we believe that God's called you to your influence, your life, to your area that God called you. And we believe you can live your life to a legend status, meaning you were faithful and you left a legacy, not only for your kids, but your grandkids, for future generations going, hey, I was faithful to the end. And they'll look back and go, what a legacy, what a legend. Last week we talked about the power of a dream. I've realized in my life it's more than just the famous speech by Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream. I have realized in my life, no matter who you are, you need a dream for your life. You need a bigger why on the inside than any how on the outside. And I believe if you get a vision for what God's called you to, if you get a vision for your life, it'll motivate you, it'll propel you, it'll be the engine. Listen, you need to get a dream for your life. We talked about Joseph last week, and we realized sometimes the dream of being in the palace has to go through the pit and the prison first. We said last week, and I believe it, you can be in a pit without the pit being in you. And some of you are going through some things, and you have a dream. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's business. Maybe it's uh, in, 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 in the arts, in, in entertainment. Maybe it's as a parent. There's a dream that God's given you. Hey, I have success, what that looks like. But maybe you're in a pit right now. Maybe your teenager's not serving God, doing well. Maybe your marriage is in a rough spot. Maybe you've had more failed businesses than successful businesses, but I've realized this, that you can be in a pit without the pit being in you. You can actually be in a difficult place without becoming a difficult person. And last week we talked about the power of a dream. Can I encourage you today? We have a dream as a church, whether our sound system works great or not, whether the message is good or not. We have a dream. No matter where we find ourselves, we hang on to that. 
And we believe there's a legacy for your life. God wants to give you a dream for your parenting, for your marriage, for your singleness, for your business, and for your education. Today, we're excited for week two of the Legend series. And we're going to be talking today. If you're writing notes, and I believe you should take notes in church, notes never forget. I forget what I talked about last week if I didn't take notes. If you're taking notes, write this title down somewhere, The Fighter. You'll see the slide behind. That's a good picture right there. The Fighter. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to fight. You don't sound like fighters this morning. The coffee's good. You should try it. It's free. We paid for it already. You just enjoy that coffee. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to fight. Today we're going to talk for the next few minutes in this legend series called The Fighter. Now I'm going to pray one more time so God can help me preach this message. And I believe it, get it from my mind into your heart. It's going to help you for this week. Our goal isn't for you to have a great Sunday, but to launch you so you can have the great rest of your week and God can use you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these next few minutes. And I'm asking God this morning that you would help me. Father, I pray this would not just be information, but Father, I pray it would lead to transformation. Our goal is clear that we would leave here changed. Father, I thank you that you've changed my life. I thank you that you've changed our lives, and the power of God is real. Father, I'm thankful that you are powerful. No matter what our experience, no matter what our family's like, that Father, you can help us. And I pray these next few minutes that this would be more than just words on a page, but Father, your scripture, your Bible will come alive. And, Father, it would take root in our heart. It would not return empty or void, but we'd leave here more in love with you, God, more passionate about your plan, and more committed to your cause. Father, help me in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Do you remember your first fight? Some of you are like, when I got married. No, you know. Some of, you like, some of your men are like, I don't know if I should laugh at that or not, right? Because my wife's sitting next to me. But you remember your first fight? I remember my first fight. I was in grade five, and... And, uh, you know, I wasn't the bulked up, massive guy you see today back then. And, and uh, I played rugby in grade 12. Bill, you'll like this. In grade 12, I played rugby at Sackville High at 130 pounds. I had to tease the hairs on my leg to keep my socks up. That's how skinny I was. <laughs> but in grade 5, I, I remember being in grade 5, my first fight that I remember. And I was walking home from school, and I have a little brother that's about two years younger than me. He was in grade 3. And how many know sometimes younger brothers can be a test? Come on, somebody. <laughs> all over here, too many hands went up over there, hitting their brothers. Sometimes little brothers, come on, can be a challenge. And my little brother and me were walking home, and a buddy of mine, and, and uh, I was in grade five, and my buddy was in grade four, and my brother Mark was in grade three. And my brother had one of these days where he was just choosing to be a little annoying. And I, and I know none of your brothers are ever like this. And it was winter carnival back in the day when we kids played outside. And, uh, and we were outside doing winter carnival at Sackville Centennial School in Lower Sackville. And I'm walking home, and all of a sudden there's this one guy in front of me. He's a grade six. He had failed a few grades, and that's back when they failed kids in school. And he, he was in grade six, but he was supposed to be in, like, grade seven or eight. Now, you know, in Sackville, like, they make them tougher in Sackville. Like, they're bigger, their voices are deeper, they have more facial hair, and that's just the women. You know, and, no, I'm kidding, no, stop, no. But this guy was supposed to be in like grade seven or eight, but he was in grade six. And there's a change that happens. And he was in grade six, but he had already started to grow and he was bigger. And I'm in grade five and, and my brother's in grade three. And we're walking home. And long story short, my brother started throwing snowballs. And this grade six student who was supposed to be in grade seven or eight turns around and says, don't do that again, you know, and in his puberty voice. And my brother just kept throwing snowballs. And I don't know what happened. At some point, as he started coming for my brother, an instinct kicked in. I, I call it stupidity, but I stepped in between my brother and the bully. I'll never forget. I, it's like my brain just checked out for a minute. See, I'm more afraid of my mother than the bully, and I know if I didn't step in for my brother, I would get beat back home. Some of you are like, what do you mean? We call it discipline today, but back then we got beat. My mother had one of those things with the ball and the, and the elastic. You know that game used to do this? 
I'm not, like, listen, like she used to cut that off, left the staple in, and she beat me. She broke me in half. There's a, like, I'm like, like, and she would do it right out of the bathtub when I was still wet from the bathtub. Come on. Some of you are offended. Listen, listen, this is my childhood. My mother, I was more afraid of my mother. I was more afraid of Hilda than I was the bully. So somewhere I stepped in to save my little brother. And my best defense is to run. Come on, somebody. I learned this a long time ago. A man with quick feet does not have a sore face. And uh, I run faster scared than anybody else does mad. And I just, I just got in the way. I stalled him and my brother. I'm not going to say who the friend was. He is a part of our launch team. But, but Matt, the guitarist, you were there. You remember. And... Uh, <laughs> and Matt and my brother Mark took off running, and I ran to a block parent. Do they still have block parents? I don't know if they have these anymore. How many remember block parents? They had these people that were, like, checked out by the police, and they were good, solid people, and they had this big sign in their window, and it was an adult's hand coming down holding a little kid in the shape of a stop sign. Anybody remember these? And you'd put it up in your window, and if you saw that, whether you hurt yourself or there was stranger danger, raise the knee and run, whatever it was, if you, know, if you needed a snack, you could go to the block parent, knock on that door, and you knew they were safe. It was like home free. And I remember running for my life, and this bully chasing me, and I saw a block parent sign. And I ran up on the stairs, and now confidence filled my soul. And he's on the street looking at me because he saw the block parent sign too. It was like Batman sign for kids. So now I started taunting him, going, what? What are you going to do now? What? 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 Uh, uh. I was going to mess you up. I was going to mess you up. That's right. Rang the doorbell. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? No one came to the door. He takes a step closer. I'm like, yeah, you better run. You better know. That's right. That's right, son. Knock on the door. No one comes to the door. This parent had forgot to take the block parent sign down. You take it down when you're not home. You leave the milk up when you're not home and the block parent sign up when you're home. This person had it mixed up. I don't remember much of the next few minutes, but that bully walked up the driveway, got up on the stairs and started pummeling me. And as I was losing consciousness, I remember leaning over the railing watching my brother and Matt run for home. And I swear my brother smiled as he turned the corner. I don't know if you remember your first fight. That was my first fight. And and uh, I know this about life is, is in 1 Samuel 16, I'm going to read a few verses today about a fighter. Now, if you haven't been in church before, I'm going to try to read this in, in enough context you can understand. But it's a story of a young man named David. David was a legend of scripture. He's in the Hall of Honor in Hebrews 11. And he's, he's known, he made mistakes. He was not perfect. But he is legendary in his faith and his ability to fight. He's a young man. We pick, it up, pick up some highlights of his life. We're going to start reading in 1 Samuel 16. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, you'll see it on the screen behind me. You can follow along. We're going to start reading in verse 1. There's a guy named King Saul. He's the church, but God wasn't pleased with him, and he's going to remove him from king. And there's a man named Samuel who was a pastor, and his job was to pick the next king. You didn't vote on the next king. It wasn't American Idol. There was no three X's, and you get voted on. It was honestly, this guy would choose the next king. He was the most powerful man in the Old Testament because his job was to pick the king. So God's talking to Samuel. He's displeased with Saul the king. We pick it up in 16 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Verse 6, now Samuel gets in his entourage, he gets in all the escalades, they get the secret service, and they start heading into Jesse's house. Verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel took one look 
at Eliab and thought, this is one of the sons, and said, surely this is God's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things, the, see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Pause. Aren't you thankful God looks differently than we look? Aren't you thankful that God values us not on our bank account, our looks, who our father is, our degrees from university? How many are thankful that God doesn't judge you based on what you've done or how you look, but on the cont contents of your heart? But I don't get time to stop there today, but I'm so thankful for God that my last name didn't qualify me or disqualify me. But God looked at my heart, and God looks at your heart today. Verse 8. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, nope, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. And he went through every single son, called all the sons in. And Samuel kept saying, nope, pass, not that one, not that one. Then it says that at the end of verse 10, it says, And the Lord has not chosen any of these. And Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there amongst his brothers, Samuel took out the flask of oil, which he had brought, and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Then it goes on. It says David went back to his field. The man of God left, and he's like, hey, you're the next king. Everybody's like, you're the next king? He's like, I'm the next king. Everybody leaves, and his father goes, all right, David, back to the field. And David goes back to where he was before the big commotion, before the promotion, before the big vision, before the dream for his life. He goes back to the sheep and the goats into the fields, and he spends years there. Then his father says to him, there's a big battle going on between the Israelites, which was their country, their nation, the good guys, the men of God, the nation of God, and the Philistines. These are the enemy. These are pagans. These are people far from God and evil. And there's this big battle happening, and his brothers were in a battle with them. They were on the Israelite side. There's this huge war happening over this valley. One nation on one mountain and the Philistines on the other. And they're getting ready to fight. And Jesse says to David, listen. Leave the sheep with someone else for a bit. Take some stuff to the battle, to your brothers. See how they're doing and take them some coffee, some espresso. Come on, take them some Jesse's pizza. Take them some supplies and then come back and tell me how it's going. As David shows up, he realizes quickly what's happening is that there's this huge giant in the middle of the field named Goliath. The Bible says he was nine foot nine tall. It says he was strong. In fact, his armor, the mail that they used for armor, weighed 125 pounds. In fact, I believe the, 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 the head of the spear was around 15 pounds. This guy was massive strong, and he was standing there challenging, cursing God, and challenging God's people, saying this, Hey, send your best champion. I'm going to defeat them. And the people of God were standing in fear. David walks in on the situation. We pick it up in verse 8. Of chapter 17. Goliath stood and shouted and taunted across to the Israelites. Why are you coming out to fight, he called. I am a Philistine champion, and you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. I've realized in life there are times, there are voices, there are moments that will shake you to your core. In verse 28, now David 
Where most people run, David steps in now. The fighter inside of him steps up. He's only a teenager. In verse 28, he goes on and says, no, no, I, I can do this. I can fight this guy. And his brothers are like, what are you talking about? You can't do this. There's pride in your heart. Verse 28, but David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men. He was angry. He's like, what are you doing here anyway? Gosh. He's like, he demanded, what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride. I know your deceit. You just want to see the battle. Then it goes down to verse 32. David says, I don't got time for you. He walks up to the king in verse 32. He says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, and when a lion or a bear came to steal the lamb from the flock, I will go after it and club it and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If an animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. He wasn't messing around. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. It says David went down. Saul says to him, where my, where my, where my gear? Where my, where my, 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 my armor? Where my sword? Have my sword? Here my, and David's like, I can't use that. I'm not used to that. I'm used to a sling and rocks. I'm a shepherd boy. He goes down in verse 40. It says he walked across the valley. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. The Philistine starts talking smack, talking about his mama, talking about his haircut, talking about his skinny jeans, talking about his past and his future, just talking trash to him. And David's not deterred. We pick it up in verse 45. Then David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies. That's Old Testament for take me, catch me outside. How about that? That's what's happening right there. He's talking trash. He's talking trash back. He's like, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. Verse 46. Today the Lord will, con today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and I will cut off your head. I will cut off your head. Here's what I've realized in life is that if you're going to accomplish anything that God has for your life, that you need to get some fight in you. I'm going to say that again. If you're going to accomplish anything in your life, I have learned in my life to do anything for God. You have to have some get up and go and some fight in your spirit. For the next few minutes today, I'm not going to be long, but I want to give you a few truths from the story of David and the fighter, and I believe today they'll awaken a fight inside of you. Some of you have been fighting for a long time. I believe there's going to be a new energy in your spirit to fight for the call of God. Some of you have never even walked into the battle, but today you're going to walk into the battlefield going, no, no, I'm going to fight today. I'm going to fight for my destiny. I'm going to fight for my dreams. I'm going to fight for the people around me. I'm going to fight not against people, but against discouragement and enemies and the very power of hell that wants to take me from the call of God, I believe today a fight's going to awaken inside of you. I want to let you know today that there are giants in the way of your legacy. David had a giant named Goliath, but there are giants in the way of your legacy. It says Goliath heckled them every morning and every evening. I think that's fascinating. It says Goliath would come out in the morning and would come out in the evening and start talking trash about their God, about their king, and about their nation. David had his giants, please don't miss this, and you will have your giants. Teenagers, you're going to have your giants in your teenage years to stay pure, to live for God. In your 20s, you're going to have your giants 
of staying focused on the call of God in your life, in your 50s, in your 40s, the legacy of your marriage and your kids and that God has in your life, you're gonna, there's going to be giants wanting to take you away from what God has planned for your life. David's giant was called Goliath. What's yours called? Everybody's got giants. I don't know what yours is today. Maybe it's regret. That's a big giant in some people's lives. You know what regret does? It makes you look back when your life is forward. I had one person said, regret makes you spend your whole life looking through the rearview mirror instead of through the windshield where you're going. How many times do you meet people that when you talk to them, their first instinct is to go back to what they did wrong, where they used to be? Whether it be the glory days or the horrible days, it's like, I remember when. Regret is always keeping you locked into the past. Some of you, there's a giant of regret trying to keep you from marching forward. I say this often, but I believe it. You're only old when you have more memories than dreams. Can I encourage you? I am thankful for my past. I am thankful for my history. Even my mistakes, God, help me through it. But I am more excited about the future. I don't know what your giant is today. Maybe it's regret going, man, 20 years ago, 20 weeks ago, 20 days ago. Can I encourage you? God always speaks forward. God always puts a comma where we want to put a period. We want to stop and go, I can't go on. And God goes, press on. God says, look forward. God says, I am the author and the finisher of your faith. God wants you today to understand the giant of regret. You need to fight that giant today. Maybe it's not regret for you. Maybe it's not regret for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else like poverty. Poverty is more than a money thing. It's a spirit. People are like, well, I can't give till I have money. Listen, money is just a tool to show if you're generous or not. I know people that have all the money in the world but they have a poverty of their spirit. They can't give their love. They don't have joy to give. They don't have give of themselves. Listen, poverty is a giant. It want to take you down. We can't do that. We can't afford that. If I give too much time to that person, if I step out there, and it keeps you locked in isolation. Poverty takes away. Listen, I'm so thankful for a God that didn't give out of a poverty spirit, but he gave his best out of a generous spirit and reaped us. Can I encourage you? Especially as a maritimer. I can say this. I'm a maritimer. We have a poverty mentality sometimes. People say, what do you want to have a big church for? Why? Because we have a big city with big needs, but we have a big God. People don't usually do this, but we have people that have come alongside with generosity in finances, but in talent and in time and in prayer and energy going, no, no, no. Let's blow the roof off this thing. Let's do something big. Can I encourage you? There's a giant in some of your lives called poverty. You may have all the money in the bank, but sometimes poverty comes in. I know some people have no money, but they're generous in their spirit. You know what? Money is just a tool. You can help someone in a third world country get food, or you can buy drugs at $20. Money's not evil. It's just a tool to show the state of your spirit. Can I encourage you today? With your love, give. With your attitude, give it to someone. Give joy to someone. Can you give time to somebody? Generous with your time. That might be your giant today. It might be poverty. Maybe that's not what your giant is today. Maybe you have another giant. Maybe it's fear. Maybe fear is your giant. Fear paralyzes, doesn't it? It makes you stop where you are. Some of you, God wants to move you forward in your job, go for that promotion, sign up for that course, to step in that relationship, and fear paralyzes. What if? Here's how you know if fear's your giant. You always think, what could go wrong? You get an ache in your body, you're like, man, that's something worse. Man, you go in your car, I don't know if I'm going to make it home. I'm not going to drive. I'm not going to drive this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to go on vacation. I'm not going to approach that person to be friends with. What if I get rejected? And fear keeps you locked in a prison of one. It's a giant that needs to be defeated today. The Bible says we don't have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I want to know today that fear is a giant we need to fight. Giants heckle you when you wake up and when you sleep. Isn't that the truth? If it's fear or poverty or regret, you wake up in the morning, it's a new day, and you go right back to that giant going, you can't do it today. 
You're not good enough. You're not called enough. You're not rich enough. You're not smart enough. You can't do that today. Just stay in bed. And it also heckles you at night. You're going to bed at night. Put your head on the pillow. And all of a sudden, all those fears and all that torment. Goliath challenged God's people every day and every night. And sometimes the giants in our life do the same. Mike Tyson has a great quote. He says, he says it with a little bit of a lisp, but I won't do it today. He says, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. He said, in my career, people have a plan how they're going to beat the mighty Mike Tyson until they get one punch in the face and their plan goes out the window. You know, I realize that sometimes when you're young, you have a plan. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to have the best marriage. I'm going to have the best kids. I'm going to have the best business. And then you get a punch in the face, something that doesn't go right, something goes wrong, and your plan goes out the window. I want to let you know today, you need to have a plan if you're going to fight for a legacy. You need to have a plan to live for God. Today, we're going to help you with that. Here's my first thing I want to let you know today. If you're writing notes, something key for you to remember is you have to fight to win the inner battle before you fight the outer giant. I'm going to say that again. You have to fight the inner battle before you fight the outer giant. You know what David's battle was? Insecurity. Read your text. The most powerful man in the world named Samuel showed up. Every neighbor knew it. Every kid knew it. And he showed up and said, God told me one of your boys is going to be king. Go get all your kids. And Samuel went and got all his boys except David. Tell me that wouldn't cause you to have some daddy issues. In fact, David was so close, it says they stood until he showed up. In fact, David, Jesse could even see him. He's like, he's in the fields. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to stand and give him time to get here. That's how close David was. David dealt with the battle of insecurity before he ever fought a giant called Goliath. How many times do we need to fight that battle inside of us? The Bible says a man is as he thinks. That means whatever you think about is what you become. And some of you, all you hear is the voice of a father or an authority figure or a friend or somewhere where someone spoke to you and tried to put a, a, a definition on your value. And I've learned in my life the greatest battle I ever have is between my ears. The hardest person I've ever led is myself. Can I encourage you today? You've got to fight the inner battle before you fight the outer giant. His father didn't believe in him. He forgot about him. His own brothers, the closest to him, all they saw was pride. They didn't see the talent and the calling on his life. You've got to understand there's a battle going inside of you. Your identity can be formed. It can't be formed by the opinions of others. That's why this Bible is so important. This Bible speaks to our identity. People say, well, I'm this. I was born this way. I was raised this way. I was, I, I'm this. this is who I am. No, the Bible says who you are. The Bible calls you royalty. The Bible says that you're a prince and a princess. You're royalty of God. The Bible says you're sons and daughters of God. Holiness is not perfect behavior. It's royal lifestyle. When you understand who you are, it'll change the way you live, the way you think, and the way you act. I don't live right because the Bible says it. I live right because I see myself as God sees me as a child of his. I see myself as royalty. When you see yourself differently, you act differently. But so many times, some of us have let ourselves be defined by the words around us. And David had to fight insecurity. Here he was, called to be king, and his father's like, oh, you're the next king. You, you're the next king. His brother's like, come on now. His father, go back to those sheep. Maybe some of you, someone saw talent in you. Maybe you have a dream for your life, but you find yourself back into the fields of forgetfulness. You feel like you're forgotten. Man, I know I'm called to be on that stage. I know I'm called to be in that boardroom. I know I'm called to be in that classroom. But somewhere, enough time's gone by, you're starting to think, maybe I am good for nothing. Maybe I will never amount to more than this. Maybe I can't make this work. David had to fight a battle on the inside before he ever fought a giant on the outside. I want to encourage you today. 
I've never been more confident, not in my skill, but in my God. Today, get a fight inside you. It's not what they say about you. It's what God says you are. Oh, identity is everything. You can't expect secure decisions from insecure people. So many people, they're hurting around you. People are messy. And some of you, people have defined you by their words, and I've realized this. You can't expect secure decisions from insecure people. Some of you are disappointed by bosses or leaders or parents. You're thinking, but why didn't they see it in me, and why did they say that? They have their own insecurity. And you can't expect someone who's insecure to actually make a secure decision. W.C. Fields says it beautifully. He says, it's not what they call you. It's what you answer to. Think about that. It ain't what they call you. It's what you answer to. People can call you any name in the book. Sticks and stones. But can I encourage you? People call you worthless, lazy. They call you limited. They call you all the things worse than that. It's not what they call you. You can't control what they call you. You can control what you answer to. Can I encourage you today to fight? Some of you need to hear this say. Fight the battle inside you. Some of you have been called, man, you're just, you're a loser. You're a problem. You were never planned. You were a mistake. Me and your mother weren't even planning on having you. And all you, listen, they call you a mistake, but no, no, no. It's what you answer to. And God is calling greatness out of you. Got to fight that battle inside you today. The real fight is to know who you are. Your royalty, your family, you're approved. In 1 Samuel 17, 38, Saul tried to get David to wear his armor. And David went with what he knew, a sling and five rocks. People will try to, I've realized this in life, people will try to define you for what they are. People try to make me a missionary, though I've done missions work. I've lived in Africa and lived in Russia and lived in Europe. I've lived all over. People, you're the next missionary. Some people said, you're a youth pastor the rest of your life. Some people say, hey, I had my guidance counselor in grade seven, Mr. Lowe, a cavalier. You know what his recommendation for me for my career was? You should be a bartender in the Caribbean. <laughs> grade seven. Now, Cocktails had just came out with Tom Cruise, and I think that's what he was going for. He's like, you like travel? I'm like, I think I do. He goes, you like the sun? I'm like, sure I do. He said, like, do you like people? I'm like, uh-huh. He goes, you should be a bartender. Not the best advice. But I've realized this. If I wait for others to define me, I'd be in a different place to now, today. Can I encourage you today? Can I encourage you today? you got to know who you are. So many are trying to be someone else. Comparison will kill your unique call. My son has Instagram now, and he doesn't use it much. He just likes putting up pictures of soccer and stuff. But I deal with young adults and even adults and Facebook and Instagram and all these other things. And they spend, instead of posting what they want to post, they spend it looking at what they're missing. The term they use now is FOMO, fear of missing out. And they spend all time online going, I wasn't invited to that. Oh, they're hanging out, and I wasn't there. Man, they got a better car than we got. Look at their new rug. Look at the new fixtures. They went to Ikea. They went through the traffic at Ikea. My goodness, I was there the other night. It's crazy. Swedish for crazy, that's what it means, Ikea. Not common sense. I just wanted to go in the ball pit and relax, but no. We had, but we went backwards through Ikea, didn't we? We showed them what's up. It was like a receiving line that never ended. Hello, hello, how are you? I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today. So many people are, are living in comparison. Can I encourage you? Comparison will kill your unique call. You're not letting people define you. You're letting their social media define you. Oh, I don't have a good enough car for the, like them. My friends aren't as cool as that. My coffee did not look as good as that. They had the perfect cup of coffee. We, we have people now going to eat, not on how it tastes, but how it looks on their Instagram. We have people basing their friendships off what they see online. We actually have stories. I've dealt with young adults that date people based on how they look online. Going, I, I'm really proud to show them off. 
Can I encourage you? You need to know who you are. Not let the world define it. Your friends define it. Only God can tell you who you are. It's a battle you've got to win today. You ever feel forgotten? Legends are born in forgotten fields. David was forgotten in a field with sheep and goats. But the call of God was greater than any words from his father or disdain from his brothers or loneliness in a field. Legends are born in forgotten fields. If you feel forgotten today, you feel like someone overlooked you for a promotion or an opportunity, you're a prime candidate for God to use you to kill some giants. Here's another truth I want you to know today. Preparation time is never wasted time. Preparation time is never wasted time. I don't get time to get into a table. Malcolm Gladwell, the author, uh, unpacked David and Goliath very good in his book. And he brought up that there's a, three different types of military in this war at this time when David was fighting Goliath. There was the, uh, the cavalry, the infantry, and the artillery. And obviously the cavalry is men on horses. The infantry is heavily armed soldiers. But then you had the artillery, which were archers, or in this case, slingers. I found this interesting. Maybe you'll find this interesting, thinking about David as a slinger. This is what he would have been dealing with. Here's what you need to know about slingers in the time that this story happened. The slings were a leather pouch with two long cords, not these slingshots that we had as kids. They were these huge slingshots. They put a rock or a lead ball into it, and they start spinning. It would get going as fast as six or seven revolutions per second. This thing would start going, that, that rock was released at 35 meters a second. That's how fast that was going. This was not a kid's toy. The rocks in the valley, archaeologists have gone through it, the rocks in the valley where this battle happened were not your average rock. They were barium sulfate. They're twice as dense as a normal stone. If you did a ballistic report on one of those rocks coming out of that sling, it would have been the exact same ballistic report as a handgun. This was not a toy. It was a weapon. There are stories, historical accounts, that experienced slingers could hit a target from 200 yards away. They were extremely long range. They have actually dug up woven tapestries, unearthed them, archaeologists have, un and there's been pictures telling the stories, and it showed slingers hitting birds mid-flight, which tells me slingers, in this case David, couldn't only hit from long distance, not only was it powerful, it was extremely accurate. Here's the point today. David was underestimated and overtrained. He was not, this was not this angel in the outfield of God took a rock like I learned in Sunday school and angels surrounded it and flew it into the giant. This was a young man that was prepared since his youth. He was a man of war. And they underestimated him. Going, Where's your sword? Where's your spear? What do you think? David's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. In forgotten fields, I wasn't wasting time. I wasn't in a pity party for one. I was preparing for my moment. Why? Because fighters know preparation time is never wasted time. David prepared in private before he ever won in public. The place that prepares you the most is often the place that looks pointless to you. He learned to protect his sheep and lion from lions and bears long before a giant ever threatened his nation and his family. Listen, you learn who you are in forgotten fields, but you show who you are in valleys of conflict. People come out in conflict. You see that there are issues. Listen, you learn who you are by yourself. You show it in public. I've learned this, that courage is just fear that said its prayers. When you pray in private, you know the voice of God. You know God hears you. Listen, somebody's like, I'm too afraid. People have said to me, I, can't, I don't have the courage to start a church. I'm like, I'm scared to death. I'm nervous every time I walk on the stage. But all, fear, all courage is this fear that said its prayers. Can I encourage you? What you do in private will launch you into public. 
When I was 15, I had a speech impediment. All, all up until I was age 15, I couldn't say my R's. I'd say things like, around the world. Because of that, I was quiet. I'd sit back in class, and I never wanted to speak to anybody. My mind was sharp, and I'd study things, but I just, I just, I can never speak. And I remember they'd try to get you to read out loud in class, and, and they'd say, we're going to read this story. So you, you read the first three sentences, you read the next three, and I would jockey myself in the class to try to get around the right sentence that didn't have enough R's in it. I remember being 12, barely even liking girls going, if I ever have a kid, I'm never naming him Ryan. I wanted to name my kid Ryan, but I couldn't say the R's. I remember thinking this at 12. I think it's fascinating that what I do with my life now is speak. Because long before I ever had a platform, I did it in private. Listen, my, my walls growing up in my teenage years, once I got a vision for my life, were covered in quotes. Winston Churchill, Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, my favorite preachers. I used to listen to cassettes. I don't have time to explain what cassettes are to some of you, but I used to have these cassettes that you used to have to mail away for and listen to preachers. I preach sermons no one's ever heard, or should they, because they were horrible. I practiced alone. I, pra I practiced and practiced. Why? Because if I waited for a platform, I wouldn't have been ready. Preparation time is never wasted time. People are like, man, you launched a church. I've been preparing for this my whole life. I just didn't know it. Last two years, building up my courage, knowing God's voice, going, God, what's your plan for my life? Why? Because preparation, some of you are waiting for a platform or a promotion or an office and a salary before you step out. And God says, if you do it now when no one's watching, I'll show you off when everyone's watching. Preparation time is never wasted time. Number three, the main point today I want to share with you is you got to put a face on your fight. you got to put a face on your fight. First Samuel 17.8, it says, Goliath intends to enslave a nation. He said, listen, if I win, if I win, all your family becomes our slave. Can I encourage you to say, listen to me, put a face on your fight. You need a cause greater than wealth and stuff. You're in a fight for your legacy, for your spiritual walk, and, for your, and to become a legend at the end of your life. You need to put a face on it. Put a face on your fight. What was David fighting for? Faces. He was fighting for his king. He was fighting for his brothers. He was fighting for his neighbor. He was fighting for his future children, knowing if he lost this fight, the whole nation would become a slave to the enemy. When he went down there, he wasn't fighting for riches. He wasn't fighting for money or popularity or to be verified on Twitter. You know what he was fighting for? The faces behind him and the faces to come. He was fighting for his grandparents. Can I encourage you? This fight is bigger than you you got to put a face on your fight. Do you know why I fight? I fight for my kids. I fight for my wife. I fight for you. I fight for our city. The reason why we're working so hard as a church isn't to make a name for ourselves. Because we know this fight, these giants are challenging not just us, but our generation. There are still giants challenging the generations of this city. And poverty, racism, lust, abuse. And someone needs to challenge these giants and put a face on it. Put a face on your fight today. You may battle alone, but your win affects many. It affects your kids. It affects your marriage. It affects your church. We have this girl on our team named Jess, and I don't think she'll mind me sharing this. She's one of our ushers today. And she saw one of our Facebook posts shared on one of our posts shared on Facebook back in in uh, in July. And she messaged the website saying, "Hey, I heard about your church through Facebook. Can I come?" And we weren't advertising people to show up. We were having our own team meetings, and we were training and getting ready for this. And I'm like, okay. She showed up, and she came, and I said to her, I said, so tell me your story, Jess. And she's like, I, uh, 
I don't go to church. I haven't gone to church in eight years. When I did go, it was only Easter and Christmas, and, but I haven't been in eight years. I'm like, how'd you come here? She goes, someone shared it on Facebook. I said, who are you? She goes, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm trying to get full-time hours, but I'm a teacher, and, and uh, I just live down over here, and, and I just loved it. I tried to get her into another church. I said, there's another church on the street that is a part of the denomination you grew up in. Do you want to go there? She's like, no, no, I don't want to leave here. She now puts Instagram posts up a couple weeks ago of her Bible going, I'm just like loving my Bible. Have patience with me, guys. I'm still learning about this Bible thing. She's reading her Bible. She's fighting her giants. And today, she is here serving, helping make a place for you to walk in and enjoy. Listen, the reason why we do this, the reason why we unload storage gear, the reason why we practice as a worship team is we, have, we want more Jesses in our life. We put a face on it. Not a dollar amount. Not a building. I put a face on this fight when I don't feel like preaching. When we have the kind of week like we kind of had this week. Listen, the why is bigger than stuff or popularity or Instagram. There are faces on this fight. Can I encourage you, no matter what battle you're in, put a face on it today. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids. Fight for the generations that can't fight for themselves. There's something about putting a face on your fight. Fighters know the power of grit. That's my new favorite word, grit. Doesn't it just sound gritty? Grit. I think I don't know if you can use that word in skinny jeans. I just did. Grit. David walked down and says he had five stones. Why did he have five stones? Some people say it's because Goliath had four other brothers. I don't know. But I think David had a grit inside him because he pictured his father and his brothers and his grandparents and his nation. He's like, I'm going to keep throwing rocks at this thing until he goes down. Can I encourage you to get some grit in your spirit? Some of you are like, man, I had a bad week. I'm not going back to church. No, get up, put another rock in the sling going. I'm not, I'm not going down without a fight. I got some grit. Maybe you messed up your marriage. You're going, man, I, I screwed it up. But you know what? I'm going to keep fighting because, listen, a chapter's not a book. And the end of the chapter is not the completion of a destiny. Listen, David, read the rest of the story. He screwed up his marriage and his kids, but he kept fighting, and God saw him faithful to the end. Can I encourage you? Put another rock in your sling. Get some grit in your life. Put a face on it. Battle the demons inside of insecurity. You can't do this and go, no, no, God, who are you called me to do? Be. Prepare when no one's looking. Put a face on it today. David's family depended on it. Can I encourage you? There are people that depend on us getting this right. Some of you walked in here today, you don't understand church, but something inside of you is awakening. And some, I hear this a lot. I, I can't stop crying at Nova Church. I'm like, it's not the first time my preaching's done that. What they're saying is, I feel something. I don't know what it is, but I feel something when I come in here. Can I tell you what that is? It's God calling you, going, no, no, you're not dead. You're not done. Put a face on your fight. There's a joy on our team. We're not perfect. We got issues. But there's a joy around this team. You know why? Because there's a face on it. They're like, I invited three coworkers this week. I got my mom coming. This one girl, she goes, my parents, my, my family never wanted to go to church, but they come to Nova. And my nephew, he loves coming to Nova kids. Put a face on it. My kids are the face for me. My son gets up, comes to church, doesn't kick back. He loves why. He put a face on it. Today, I'm going to make pray for two people, and then we're done. You said, Mike, I, I've lost my fight. I love Jesus. I know Jesus. I'm just tired of fighting. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's in your calling. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your purity. I don't know what it is for you. But somewhere, 
you're like, I just, I'm tapping out. I'm done. This is my last chance. I'm not coming back. Or I'm here, here, but I'm not here. I want to pray for you today. You know God. You love God. But you need that fight back in your spirit. Because God has, sees you as a legend and sees a legacy in your life. And some of you are just tired because you've been fighting for so long. I believe the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can fill your body to put a fight back in you. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids. Fight for your calling. I'm going to ask you today, I think you're ready for it. If you're bold enough, these are the Christians in the room. You know God, you love God. You're like, Mike, I need you to pray for my fight today. I don't care who knows it. Because listen, if you don't stand in private, you'll never stand in public. You love God, you know God, but you want prayer today. You want me to pray for you. Say, Mike, just pray for my fight. I need some fight back in me. On the count of three, if that's you, I'm going to test you today. I think you can do it. Because I believe something needs to rise on the inside of you and something needs to rise on the outside of you today. Say, Mike, I just want you to pray for me. I'm just going to pray a quick prayer. Say, Mike, I need some fight in my spirit again. If that's you, on the count of three, stand to your feet. One, two, three. If that's you, stand to your feet. I want to pray for you right where you are. Proud of you. Proud of you. All over this place, can everyone stand to their feet? We're going to pray together today. Some of you have been fighting for so long, I'm here because you fought. our time to help you. This is bigger than one person or one generation. Put a face on your fight. Let's bow our head. I want to pray for you today. You say, I need to fight in my life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the heroes in this room. Men and women who have been fighting for decades, years to be faithful in their marriage, in their churches, in their finances, in their purity, in their calling. I pray the same spirit the same God that made them and called them and healed them is the same God. And God, you would rush in right now and put a fight back in their spirit. I pray for dreams again. I pray for grit. God, I pray for more stones to be thrown at more giants of, impo- of poverty and injustice and racism and religion and apathy and hurt. God, I pray today to walk out of here with a fight in their spirit and a spring in their step. Father, I thank you for the heroes in this room. I pray for every marriage. I pray for every family. I pray for every business. And I pray for our church that we said that we smile, but we fight against giants that challenge a generation. Father, I pray for strength today. I pray for joy unspeakable. I pray you renew the joy and the fight of their salvation. All that hope arise. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is my last call today. We're almost done. You say, Mike, I don't know God. I showed up here today and I know someone invited me or I just walked in or I saw a Facebook post, but I can honestly say I don't know God. I know about church, but I don't know God. I want to give you an invitation in a moment to raise your hand. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, it means, hey, I want you, God. I need you, God. And you believe in your heart, which means today I believe it's a new start for me. You could be 15 or 55 and go, I need a new start today. I don't understand this all, but I know God is real and I need to know his plan for my life and I want to trust him with my life. We call that salvation. We call that starting your walk of faith. It doesn't mean you need to join this church. But it means God comes in and rushes into your life. If you want me to pray for you today, you've never done this or it's been a long time you've walked away from your faith. On a count of three, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for privacy, today is your day. I'm just going to pray for you right where you are, and that's it. If that's you on the count of three, you say, I want to start my faith. I want, to st- I want to know God. I want to give my life to God and trust him with my life. I want you to put your hand up on three. One, 
It's not everybody, but it's somebody in this room. Two, three. Can you just lift your hand up as quick as you can? Quick as you can. Quick as you can. Hands all over this place. Come on, just wait one more second. If you want to start your relationship with God or you've walked away, one more time. Okay, you can put your hand right back down. I'm going to pray for you, but in a moment, here's what I want you to do. If you lifted your hand right then, I want you to click off that box right there that says, I'm committing my life to Christ. And in a moment, the offering's going to come by. You're going to put it in the offering bucket. We're not going to visit you. We're not going to call you. We're simply going to email you and give you some information and hope to see you next week. We want to cheer you on. If you would do that today, if you put your hand up, no matter how old you are, if you say, hey, I would fill this out and put, I'm committing my life to Christ. And you're going to put it in the offering bucket or in the boxes, the blue boxes as you leave. We're going to help you in your journey. If it's a part of this church, great. If it's another church, awesome. I'm less concerned about where you go, but more so that you start walking in your faith. Can we pray together? We're all going to say this together. If you put your hand up, I want you to say it out loud. We're all going to say it to help you today because we're all in this together, aren't we? Can you repeat after me if you raised your hand or if you didn't? Repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I give you my life today. I thank you that you fought for me, that I can be here today. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my choices that took me away from you. And today I walk towards you. I trust you with my life. Lead me. Help me. Forgive me. In Jesus' name.